Okay, here we are, episode 16. So what new commands will we hear of today? What final boon or blessing Allah is offering Bani Israel? How are we to walk down the path of those who came before us? Who is allowed to become a Muslim and walk down that path of Allah? Welcome back to the One Podcast, You Need to Destroy Islam with Mere Words. You see, we Muslims, we follow the strangest and most strict of rituals, from aligning our bodies in the direction of the Holy House in Mecca when sleeping, to facing sideways from said direction when we, when we are on the toilet. We do not do this because it makes sense. We do this because 1400 years ago, an illiterate Arabian shepherd received a message from beyond the veil, from mankind's maker and benefactor, in the name of Allah, the Rahman, the Merciful. The Quran is nothing short of miraculous. It is composed of the most beautiful Arabian words ever uttered. It is actually sung, not read. Quran has been stumping Arabian poets for 1400 years. No one could bring its equal. Quran also has a magnificent scope. From the positions of the moon in the sky, to the story of Yunus, swallowed whole by a whale, the Quran challenges you to disprove it. Check out episode 5 of this podcast if you haven't already. If you claim this is only a fabrication by this Arab man, then you must be able to outdo him. Bring about a single surah of its likeness and you win. Call on your theologians, your historians, your poets. Use your computers, use your AIs and PhDs. Use anything and anyone under Allah's sky. If you cannot beat a single illiterate Arabian shepherd, and you won't, then you must see that this is beyond human and therefore from Allah. To recap, last episode we heard Allah addressing us for the first time. We who accepted this message... We who embrace his light in this Quran. Allah took power over our speech, starting with one specific word to be replaced with another. Allah used an echo from a previous ayah to remind us that when Bani Israel were told to listen, they said we heard and we disobey. How will you respond to the simplest of commands? Allah promised us bounty, mercy, goodness, unlike any mankind has ever seen. The things we will receive in Quran whether story or command or anything in between, will be the envy of any and all other nations. Allah took absolute legislative power. Only Allah can revoke or make forgotten an ayah in this Quran. And if so, Allah promised us, it will be to replace that revoked ayah with an even better one for us. Allah reminded us that He is Qadir, that Allah has perfected the measure of everything. You will receive things in the perfect doses for your souls. Allah laid claim to the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. All things belong to him. Our rights to our own selves and to our properties are secondary to Allah's rights as the creator and owner. Allah told us clearly, there are no patrons or champions or benefactors for us under him. We are not to disobey Allah in order to appease anyone, regardless of wealth or station. Finally, Allah reminded us again, here you are receiving your own covenant. Don't question your prophet same as did Bani Israel with Musa beforehand. As if butchering a cow was such an enigmatic and unclear order. Allah warned us. Doing so is akin to exchanging light for darkness. And with that, let's start our new episode. Ayah 109 Yearned many of the people of the book to turn you back after Imanikum Kuffaran. Envy from themselves since after manifest upon them the truth. So pardon and turn away, 
until Allah brings forth his edict. Verily, Allah is of everything determinant. Okay, so here Allah is telling us of something that we cannot see. What's in the hearts of many of Bani Israel around us. Keyword here is many, so not all of them. Specifically, the ones whom the truth came manifest before. The Arabic word here is tabayyana. This word is used to tell of a fog clearing up, of a far landmark becoming clearer and clearer until all doubt is gone from your heart. Yes, you are seeing what you are seeing. It is the landmark. That is what tabayyana means. So for this segment that Allah is referring to here, there are no doubts in their hearts that this is the truth. They who chose to drop the torch for their tribal pride. They see others of mankind from all nations, including some of their own tribe and brethren, pick up that torch and it dawns on them. Whether they get on that train or not, the train is leaving and many of mankind are already on it. And so Allah tells us, their hearts swell with envy. Allah could have just said that they were just envious or jealous or whatever, but no. The choice of words here was explicitly strong. Hasadan min indi anfusihim. Envy welling up from within their selves. And so they wish in their heart of hearts, if you would not pick that torch, if you would not ride that train, if you would just stay there in the darkness with them, they wish to lead you astray. Yes, you specifically. The two Arabic words here in this ayah, imanikum, it means after you embraced Allah's light and became of the faithful, and kuffaran, which means to become of those who covered themselves of Allah's light. They literally wish to take you out of the light and into the darkness. Why? Allah tells us plainly, their souls are laden with envy. And here is where Allah gives us Muslims a new directive, an explicit command. Remember, the first commandment we received was to all mankind, Ayah 21, Episode 5, which was to submit to Allah, your Rabb, and no one else. The second commandment we discussed in last episode involved Allah's power over our speech. The third was that Quran is the legislative backbone for Muslims and no one can alter it but Allah. The fourth was that we are to submit to Allah as the King of Kings and obey His directives above all and any. The fifth was not to question the orders and directives from our Prophet. And here is our sixth command if you are reading Quran in order. It explains to us how to treat those of Bani Israel who act to lead us astray intentionally. You are to pardon and turn away from them. Now, pardon is a direct translation for the Arabic word fafu. The Arabic word means to forego all actions against someone who transgressed against you. So the first part of the command is take no actions against them, even as they are intentionally trying to mislead you as revealed to you by Allah. To give you some more context that's not in the ayah, there is no bigger crime in Islam than leading people astray. It is a significant crime. Islam teaches us that if you lead people astray, you will carry as much sin as each person you misled, not reducing any of their sins. That is why Muslims are ordered to follow the explicit word of the Quran and walk in the footsteps of the Prophet. And here Allah is telling us, yes, they are intentionally trying to mislead you, and you are to pardon them. You are to forego any and all retaliation against this transgression. The second part of the command is turn away. Uh, turn away is not an ideal translation for the Arabic word wasfahu, 
This is a deeper word. In its root, this word means the side of something. So be it the side of a man's face, the side of a mountain, or the side of a sword, etc. The form is used in this ayah to show the side, uh, as in meaning to show the side of a face to someone. This is used in Arabic in multiple ways. One is to intentionally turn away to deny someone, as in someone asking you for a favor and you turn your face away. Uh, it's nearly a universal gesture for rejection. Another is if someone wrongs you and you are able to punish him, but you turn your face away instead. Almost universally meaning uh, forgiveness. Another form is if you see something embarrassing about an elderly person or a child or someone maybe you hold dear and uh, you respect, and then you turn your face away as if you didn't see a thing. Out of mercy, benevolence, respect. In other words, turn away, deny them their goal. They're like an elderly person shouting at the clouds like children caught with their pants down. Don't let them get to you. Allah told you what's in their hearts. Many are not confused. They're not arguing with you in good faith. They intentionally aim to mislead you. The order is pardon and turn away. Be cordial, smile and wave. Deliver Allah's message to them and leave them to their own devices. Don't be angry. Don't respond harshly. Don't antagonize. Don't exact revenge or act to settle a score and don't let them get to you. Now, if this is how you are to treat the segment that is intentionally trying to mislead you, how are you to treat with those whom are genuine in their search and question? They're even more worthy of Muslims showing patience and benevolence. This obviously does not mean that they have immunity if they try to kill you or rob you, for example. This is specifically for when they try to mislead you, and specifically for Bani Israel, no one else. Is this some kind of a parting gift or a final blessing from Allah to Bani Israel? For how long do they enjoy this boon? Until Allah brings forth his edict. Now, edict is not an ideal translation for bi-amri. The Arabic word means his command, his design, his decree. In other words, pardon and turn away until Allah's grand design comes into being. Interesting. Let us continue the last phrase before we put all of this together. Verily. Allah is of all things determinant. Again, a reference to Allah being the ultimate quantifier, measurer, allocator, estimator, as we said last episode. This is very, very interesting. To put it all together, pardon and turn away until Allah's design come to being. Allah is the ultimate quantifier and measurer. So Allah is telling us, even their ill intentions, their envy and desire to lead you astray, is part of Allah's design. So just wait and show patience and restraint until Allah's designs are brought forward. Maybe Allah intends for them to change and embrace His light at a specific time, hence Qadir. Or maybe they will die in the darkness, having lived as an ordeal for mankind like Fir'aun or Pharaoh was to Bani Israel. Again, Qadir. A personalized destiny for each one of them, each one of us, each and every one of mankind all within Allah's designs. Everything is accounted for by the ultimate quantifier. You have your role to play and you have your directives. You are not accountable for them. They are accounted for in Allah's grand design. So to put it all together, a lot of Bani Israel wish to take you out of the light and into the darkness, envy welling up in their souls after the truth came manifest before them. So pardon and turn away until Allah's grand order manifests. Verily, Allah quantified everything to perfection. 
آية 110 And erect the salah and give the zakah and whatsoever you advance to yourselves of goodness you shall find it with Allah Verily, Allah of what you do is all-seeing These words echo something we heard earlier Remember Ayah 43, Episode 7 when Allah was calling on Bani Israel to honor their covenant Allah used the exact same words back then Erect the salah and give the zakah. Now, if you go back a bit earlier, Ayah 3, Episode 3, the very first time Allah described His people by erect the salah. Recall when we discussed back then how salah in Arabic means a connection so close you are practically touching the back of the person ahead of you. We also discussed how giving zakah was a specific amount to be given away at to, to specific categories of the poor. There are two critical messages here. The meaning of the words and the fact that they are repeated. So, salah is rooted in the Arabic word salah. Like we said earlier, it means to connect. The word specifically means physical contact or connection. So, if you want to say connect these dots in Arabic, you would say sell these dots. Same word, different form. If you want to say a man arrived at his destination, you would say a man wasala at his destination. Even in modern day and age, if you want to say copper is a good connector or conductor of electricity, you would say copper is a good muwassil of electricity. This linguistic explanation is important because it spells into the religious dictates. So how do we perform this connection? We haven't yet been told. But if we continue reading, you will read how do we perform this connection. Zakah means to cleanse something or a proof of the cleanliness of something, or a positive testimonial. Uh, if you bear witness, for example, that someone is good or of good character, this is called zakah. We discussed it a bit in episode 7, ayah 43. We haven't been told of the specifics yet, but just for context, zakah is giving away a part of your money once a year to one of six categories of the, of the poor. By doing so, you cleanse your money, you cleanse your soul. Now we come to the second question. So why are the exact same words repeated and reused? You see, at this day and age, 1400 years after the revelation of Quran, someone might think that both are pure Islamic rituals as observed on TV or other sources. However, we just saw that these are the same rituals performed by all the people of Allah before us. This is profound. Do you see where we are now? We are on the train proper. Squatters who wanted to hijack the train are out. Now you see the true markings of the path of Allah. You see the footsteps of those who came before us, of the pious of Bani Israel, of Isa, Sulaiman, and Musa, of those who came before them, from Israel to Adam and Hawa. See the places they used to prostrate themselves in Salah. See the goodness they spread amongst mankind by Zakah. Their trappings, as ordained by Allah, are now yours. Look at the map they used, the doors they walked through, the terrain they traversed. This is your mandate now. Yes, you and me. We are to pick up that torch, to put on those clothes and follow on their footsteps. We are the next link in a chain of the faithful, spanning time and space since our parents were sent down here and through many locations across the earth. Here is our seventh command. Erect the salah and give the zakah. The same as those that came before us. The same words in the same order. The next phrase makes another very important point. And whatsoever you advance to yourselves of goodness, 
Now, advance is not ideal for the Arabic word tuqaddimu. This word means send ahead, present, or serve, as in serving dinner, for example. So this part reads, whatsoever you advance, present, or serve yourselves of goodness. Okay, so what does this mean? Whatever good deeds you perform, including salah and zakah, you are serving that goodness to yourself. You are the beneficiary of those deeds. Just like if you are served dinner, you are the intended beneficiary of that dinner. You're supposed to eat it. In other words, Allah does not need you, nor your prayers, nor your zakahs, nothing. Allah gets no value from whatever deeds you choose to carry out. Allah's kingdom will not grow because of your deeds. Whether you spend all your life prostrating yourself in salah or giving away all your money in zakah, this is for your personal benefit. You serve this goodness to yourself. If you stay connected to the chain of Allah, it is for your own benefit. Whatever good deeds you serve to yourself, you shall find it with Allah. Now, if we continue to the next part, whatever good deeds you serve yourself, you shall find it with Allah. We're getting a promise from Allah here. Serve yourself good deeds and you shall be rewarded. Imagine a mother trying to get her child to eat something good, uh, eat your vegetables and you get a reward, she might say. Uh, she might actually punish or reward her child for eating something that does not benefit the mother herself. And to Allah is the highest of examples. A mother raising her child deserves to be taken care of by the same child when she is older. Allah, on the other hand, does not need you. Allah is showing you more mercy than your own mother. The next part is, Allah of what you do is all-seeing. You do not need to keep track of anything. You do not need eyewitnesses. Allah will not miss a thing. Big or small, you shall find it with Allah. Allah is all-seeing and all-observing of whatever you serve to yourself. The large zakah you gave away and the leftovers of a meal you preserved and gave to a poor person. The time when you performed salah in the masjid and when you did so in the middle of the night in your own room. Even if you smiled to brighten someone's day or took a kitten off the street. The explicit words are whatsoever you serve yourself of goodness, you shall find it with Allah. Now, you might notice another echo in this ayah. This is the first time Allah addresses us with the words, Allah of what you do is all seeing. When Allah used this phrase to address Bani Israel earlier, the order of the words was reversed. It was Allah is all seeing of what you do. And Allah is not oblivious to what you do. This is consistent in everything we read so far. So what does this slight reversal mean when addressing Bani Israel and the new nation that is us Muslims? In my own mind, it could be that Bani Israel has already carried out their charge. Allah already saw and observed them. Hence in the phrase, all seeing came before what you do. On the other hand, we Muslims are still beginning our journey. We are yet to be seen. Hence the reversal of the order of words. But wait a minute. Doesn't Allah already know which of us is good or bad? Why will Allah observe us or take note of what we do if he already knows how will we act? We discussed this a bit earlier, so I'll just make a quick detour. Imagine a farmer looking at his crops. A good farmer would know which plant is good or bad, the number of buds, the color of the leaves, height, etc. A good farmer would prune such plants right away so as to save energy and resources for other plants. Note that in this example, the farmer didn't himself engineer the plant. His knowledge is limited by what he learned over the years. 
On the other hand, Allah made us. Allah knows the intricate details of our thoughts and processes. So Allah's knowledge of our inner working is absolute. If that is the case, why wouldn't Allah just prune us human beings? Can you imagine that as a sentient being? As soon as you are born, you are either sentenced to the gardens of Eden or the fires of Jahannam, based on Allah's knowledge. As sentient beings, we could bring an argument to Allah. Look, Allah, I haven't committed any sin yet. Am I to be punished for what I didn't do? And so Allah in His mercy and fairness allowed you to personally decide where to go. Good or bad, they are your choices and they are your deeds. Only the truly insane can claim loss of faculty in this life. Everyone else acts freely. And to Allah is the highest of examples. Remember that a farmer grows the plants because he needs the food. Allah does not need us. We're not his food, nor are we his army. With that in mind, the mercy in Allah's example is supreme. Allah is even promising you. Prove yourself. Nay, save yourself. There's a reward in it. Ayah 111 And said they, None shall enter the garden except for he who is Huden or Nasara. These are their pipe dreams. Say, Bring forth your proof if you are truthful. Now that you're taking your seats on the train, some of you performing salah and some giving zakah, you hear shouting outside. You're the wrong people to be carrying that torch or sitting in that train. You shall not reach the gardens of Eden. We, Huden or Nasara, are the only people who shall enter the gardens of Eden. Now, Huden is an adjective of Yehud in Arabic. Yehud is the original name of the people referred to as Jews in the Western world today. The word in Arabic means those who came back. In Arabic, it is a reference to the subset of Bani Israel that came back from Egypt with Musa, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Nasara is a reference to the subset of Yehud who rallied to Isa ibn Maryam's cause or Jesus son of Maryam as he is known in the Western world today. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Nasara in Arabic translates to those who rallied to or answered the call of someone. Both are references to the mainstream segments of Bani Israel's tribe as they are originally known. So they tell you whether they are Yehud or Nasara, only we are to enter the gardens of Eden. Whether it's one party or the other, they all say the same. What? None of mankind will enter the garden except for the Yehud or Nasara? What a claim. All mankind are damned to hell if they are not of a specific segment of your own tribe. What of the other children of Israel who were not Yehud or Nasara? Are they going to hell? Uh, hold on. Israel himself, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, came before Yehud and Nasara were born as segments of his children. It is only logical to assume that Israel himself was not of the Yehud or Nasara. Is Israel going to hell? What of those who came before Israel and all the way to Adam and Hawa? What of Adam and Hawa themselves? Were they Yehud or Nasara? Obviously not. Are they going to hell as well? So Allah responds, these are their pipe dreams. Ask them, do you have any proof that heaven is reserved for you? Can you explain the logic here? How did you come to this nearsighted conclusion? If you have any proof of such claims, bring it. What were the exact words of Allah that led you to such a claim? If you are truthful. 
Ayah 112. To the contrary, whosoever surrenders his face to Allah, and he is good doing, so to him are his wages with his Rabb, and no fear upon them, and they will not mourn. Uh, to the contrary are three words for the Arabic word Bala. This Arabic word is used to confirm the opposite of what was just said. Allah opens by immediately rejecting the claim by Bani Israel in the previous ayah. To the contrary, Allah tells us, Whosoever surrenders his face to Allah. Now, whosoever is a critical word. Allah's offer is simple and straightforward. Whosoever of mankind, any and all, be you black, white, or any shade of color, rich or poor, strong or weak, it does not matter to Allah. These words are for you. If you surrender your face to Allah, this phrase does not translate easily into English, as this is not an Arabic lesson. It is sufficient to say that this phrase means total submission of self and soul to Allah in exchange for saving yourself. And you are good doing. Good doing is not ideal for muhsin uh, in Arabic, but it is close enough. It means someone who does good, performs good actions. In other words, you have to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. You cannot go about killing and cheating in the morning and raising your voice in joyful prayer come evening. Remember how Allah admonished Bani Israel for violating the explicit orders in their covenant by killing and displacing each other while still claiming to follow the way of Allah. There is no way around that. You have to walk the walk. If you do both these things, surrender your face to Allah and be muhsin or do good. Allah promises you, your reward is with your Rabb, with Allah, your manager, your nurturer, the one who made you. You shall be repaid. And no fear upon them, and they will not mourn. Again, exact same words used earlier with Bani Israel, Ayah 62 discussed in episode 8. The repeat use of these words is a powerful indication. This is nothing new. It was what Allah promised Bani Israel back then and to mankind following them back then. The responsibility is personal. You shall not be punished nor rewarded for being of the wrong tribe or the right tribe. Allah's promise to us is the same promise to those who came before us. The responsibility is personal. This is an open door for any and all of mankind. Any and all are welcome. Any and all can become a Muslim and walk the way of Allah. With that, we come to the end of this episode. We're starting to see the form of what is expected of us Muslims. We heard specific commandments about uh, dealing with Bani Israel. We heard our first order to perform Salah and give Zakah, same as everyone before us. We learned that all of this is for our own personal benefit. So don't think yourself so good because of your good deeds. Therefore, your own soul. We learned that to the contrary of those claims that only specific people can go into heaven. Each and every human who submits his soul and self to Allah and does good deed. He shall be repaid. He shall fear not and grieve not. Till we speak again, I leave you in the peace and blessings of Allah.